The Your Mark on the World show is made possible by our sponsors, including Clean Energy Advisors. Welcome to Your Mark on the World, bringing you another changemaker with champion of social good, Devin D. Thorpe. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Your Mark on the World show. I'm your host, Devin Thorpe, and our guest today is Dawn Grimes. She's the Vice President of Business and Enterprise Development at uh, Recycle Force. Dawn, welcome to the show. Devin, thank you so much. It's such an honor to be here. Thank you. Well, we're thrilled to have you. You, you know, you're doing some amazing things, and I just want to point out to everyone that we're going to hear a little bit of Dawn's work the whole time we're talking to her. Uh, she is working right there. She, we're doing this interview from her office at the warehouse where the real work happens. And so sometimes we're going to hear some of that real work. Uh, but uh, don't be distracted. Be excited because of that. So, Don, tell us what it is that's going on in that warehouse behind you. Well, we are an electronics recycling facility. So what we do is we provide our customers with assured destruction and recycling of retiring IT equipment and of electronics that are coming out of retail stores that are overstocked or that are being recalled or that are damaged, that kind of thing. Um, that's the business side of what we do. And then the social side of what we do is, is that all of the people doing that work are people who have a history of incarceration and who are moving from that back into society. And what we provide them is with transitional employment, uh, training, and a whole host of soft skills and, and supports to help them level out the, the trajectory to get from where they're coming from back into society successfully. So that's what's happening back there. Well, it's, it's great work. It seems to me there's a social and uh, benefit on both sides of the business because, uh, you know, the careful and proper uh, recycling of these electronics is vitally important to the environment, isn't it? Yes, it is, absolutely. And there there are a lot of people who, who don't do it well, and, and then there are those who do. And uh, it's, it's not an easy business, but it is absolutely something that is essential for our environment. We were, we've been putting a lot of stuff in landfills for a long time that that doesn't belong there. So, yeah, give yeah. us an example. What are some of the components in the electronics that really shouldn't be recycled, and, and why they shouldn't be? Well, probably or why they shouldn't be in landfills. Why they should be carefully recycled. Yeah, one of the the most um, prevalent and dangerous things in our electronics waste stream are cathode ray tube televisions. So, those are the old televisions, the big fat ones that we still see coming into our facility in. I mean, in the thousands every month. Inside of those, is uh, they're made of leaded glass and regular glass that are together. And then inside of that vacuum tube, there are a lot of, um, there's mercury, there's phosphorus, there are all kinds of things that don't need to be in landfills. Primarily, it's the lead, though, and the glass that can leach into uh, groundwater and into the ground. So that is what our biggest challenges right now is how to deal with that leaded glass. We send it to a smelter um, where it's melted down and for, for reuse, um, but there are very limited uses for that kind of glass. So that's one of the big ones. Yeah, wow. That's, uh, 
that is a great reminder of how important the work you do on that side of the coin is. Now let's talk a little bit about your workforce. Uh, how do you source and staff the, the team and how do you help them prepare to move past working for you? So we are, we're really unique in the way that employees come to us. We actually are, in many ways, we're an extension of oversight um, for, for the government. Um, so people coming out of corrections quite often anymore are not coming straight out in that they just, they're done. Most come out with some form of probation or parole. So they're still required to check in, to be a part. They're still in the system. Many of them um, are, face a lot of challenges because of that, and I'll go into more detail about that later, but the way they come to us is through the court system and through their work release facilities because they're there. They are still incarcerated at night, but during the day they are required to work, and they are required to ease their way back into society. So we serve kind of this duo role of not only providing them a job and training and helping them level out. We're also working with probation officers, with correctional facilities, with the child support agencies, with the prosecutor's office. So that there's this, it's not an us them situation. It's a, we're all working together for the same goal. We want to reduce crime. We want to help people and we want to move forward. So that's how they come to us. And so how do you then help those folks as, as they come through your workplace to prepare for an, the next job? Because I presume for most of them, this isn't their career objective. And this, so most of your people are probably working for you during probation and not long after. But maybe I'm misunderstanding. Well, we are a transitional jobs program. So most of the people coming here are here for anywhere between four to six months. We have some programs that are a little bit shorter, but that's the, the normal duration of the time that they're here. While they're here, they will receive 17 different OSHA industry-recognized trainings that will help prepare them for any kind of work in a warehouse. So that would be one industry. There's also environmental um, services work that they may be placed into. There's logistics work, there's reverse logistics, um, but they're, what, they're, what they're learning are, are these, are that's the higher level skill, they're also learning the soft support skills. A lot of the people who come in through our program have never actually had a job, so things like timing in and timing out, going to lunch, coming back, calling in, um, just being on the job, understanding expectations, those kinds of things, knowing what to do when you're distressed at work, how do you, how do you deal with that? Um, but we do work with them even after they've been here actually, you know, earning and learning. We have a job placement program where we are working with employers in our area to, you know, to extend dialogues and open dialogues with regard to hiring people who have a history of incarceration. So we work to place them. We also work with temporary agencies, and when someone doesn't go directly from here to a permanent job, we have a temporary place where they can get temp work and maybe get connected with an employer there. So there are a lot of different ways that we're working with our employees to help them get permanent work, 
that stabilization that happens in the first uh, four to six months that was really essential, we find, um, to, to making them job ready. Yeah. Have you been able to gather any data on recidivism for your participants as compared to the general population when they're released? Yeah, we, we have. In fact, we were a part of a, a game changer for us was um, our participation in an, a DOL study that we were involved in between 2011 and 2014. The first that was um, all of the data for that was collected and analyzed by MDRC. Um, and the first year impact has come out. The third year is about ready to come out. But where we're sitting compared to the national averages, we're about one-third with regard to return to prison. Um, and our job placement, people who are going on and leaving and getting employment, is about 60%. There hasn't, there hasn't been a lot of data collected on that nationally, so we're kind of, you know, we're, we're, we don't have anything to compare that to, but with regard to recidivism, we're in the 20 to 23% range, um, which is compared to here locally, it's about 55%. Wow, so you're, you're more than having the recidivism rate, if I understand you correctly. Yes, yes, yes. That's great. That's really a big, big impact, and that's got to be saving money, uh, tons of money for, uh, you know, the, the community there. Uh, well, I will tell you that there was a study that was done recently that said that locally, if we could reduce the recidivism rate by 1%, that we would save the state uh, $1.5 million in just cost savings. And here locally in Marion County, 1% would be 46 people. We employ an average of 300 people a year that come through our program, and literally thousands have come through our program. So the cost savings just in incarceration, and that's not even counting things like lost revenue due to taxes because our our employees pay taxes and our employees pay their child support so those are things that aren't even being calculated right, um, right. not to mention the ripple effect with regard to families yeah this is really 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 a high impact program now uh, you operate as a nonprofit yes uh, are you able to cover all of your operating costs with the revenue from the recycling business, or do you need donations in addition? No, we're, we, we are not able to cover all of our costs, and, and the reason that we're not is because essentially the, the productivity rate of people working here is somewhere between 25 and 35% of what an average worker might be expected to attain. There are a lot of reasons for that. And obviously our goal is to teach them to, to be ready to perform at rates that are comparable to the, the labor force. Right. But we have, our employees are often uh, called out to go do a drug drop, go do a probation visit, go get their child support set up, go get their driver's license reinstated. Um, in addition to the fact that many haven't had a job, so they're just learning how to do that. So we do not have an efficient workforce yet. That's our goal, is to train them to be efficient. Um, but we recognize that um, there's a learning curve, and that's our job. So, so we don't cover all of our costs. We're not but, – but we do meet our, our customers' expectations, right? We just yeah. maybe have to use two people to do that instead of one. Yeah. 
So as you look at what you're accomplishing, do you have some favorite success stories that you like to brag about? Yeah, <laughs> I, I get a new one every week, really. Um, so one of my favorites is Chris Holt, who uh, was with our program. Um, I think he was here about maybe a, a little less than a year. Um, and while he was here, he he just took, you know, to what are we doing and how, how can I do something like, how can I start a business? So he began to work uh, with our social side and started to take some classes with regard to, you know, just finance management, learning how to how to start a business. And, and he did. He ended up starting just a light haul business and snow removal. Um, just about the time that he was starting that business, we were shaving off a piece of our business, which is we used to do cardboard pickup. And we did that in the community. And it was a really great way for us to get to know the community and for them to get to know us. But as we've grown, we have now to dedicate all of our resources just strictly to electronics. So we needed to shave that off. And so he picked up all of our cardboard customers and now still brings the cardboard to us because we can still recycle it. We just couldn't go get it. And so he's grown a business. All of our customers are still happy. And then he's expanded that business now. And he's actually in his own community starting his own nonprofit to help you learn how to start businesses. It makes me all want to – I just want to cry just – talking about him so um i if i keep talking about my favorite stories i might start crying so, sorry <laughs> i appreciate that that's really uh, i think a great example of the kind of impact you're having on people to really completely change their lives and uh, and and that's really the the value i think that you're creating is uh, it's not in statistics it's not in dollars it's in lives changed and, and yeah by, by the work you're doing so yeah we Oh, I'm sorry. I was going to say, well, the one thing that we also do that, that sort of impacts our efficiencies is that we really do work to get our best workers out the door. So all of the people who we've trained to be really, really the best are the people that we're saying to the most, hey, it's time. You know, you really are ready. Go. And so because our permanent employees, the 15 who uh, help us with our transitional employees, they've all come up through our program. There are peer mentors, and there are supervisors and our managers. So they know what it's like, and now they work with us, and they're giving back in the same way. But many of them, many of them can earn a lot more money. And when they, they do leave, you know, it's, it's sad, and it's, and it's happy, you know? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Now, are all of your uh, transitional employees men, or do you have some women there as well? Oh, no, we have women. Yep, we have women, um, and we have uh, positions. My um, my CRM, my customer relationship management, who's like my right hand woman, uh, she has come up with the program. Wow, I mean, I I couldn't do what I do without her every day, and she's yeah, she could be making a lot more. So I know she's going to leave me one day. So yeah, yeah, that's great. Now. I want to ask you just a couple of personal questions to get some insights about what makes you tick. But uh, first and foremost, uh, I want to know, you know, you, you're doing something so admirable. Clearly there are hundreds, if not thousands of people who really look up to you as a role model, but who do you look up to as a role model? Well, you asked me to limit this to one person and I'm going to limit it to like a, this is, the, this is who comes to mind when I think of who do I look up to and who do I rely on. 
and it's it's my siblings. Um, I'm fortunate. I, I'm one of five, and there are four who are constantly there for me. I have, you know, and they're all, they're successful in their own right, and if I need help, um, you know, they're there to help me, but also they've come up, they've come from a place that they came from where I came from, and it was a little bit of a long climb, so, and and they're making it, so I, I would say that my heroes are my siblings. Oh, that's great. Uh, I, I'm, I don't know that I've ever had anyone, and hundreds of times I've asked that question, I've ever called out their siblings. That's great. Now, you uh, have made quite an interesting career shift. You, you were uh, an on-air reporter at one point. You've done lots of interesting and great things. How did you end up here? Why is this now what you're doing with your time? I would love to be able to say that I chose this, but, I mean, I'm, it chose me, and I'm fortunate. I'm very fortunate. I feel as though... What I do here um, takes a little bit from every job that I've had. Um, I do tell that, you know, part of my job is storytelling and, you know, telling our story. And that's what I did before. And part of my job is being, I was in the Marine Corps. And part of my job is, you know, I got to be tough sometimes here with our guys. Um, and, and also teach them discipline and teach them esprit de corps. Um, and, you know, I, I, I didn't look for this job, but all of the, the stars aligned. And when it came to me, I just knew that this was where I was going to be for a good long time. Um, I, I did have, you know, some work with an electronics recycler in the past. He was a customer that I was doing some marketing and video work for. <clears throat> so I had that in my history as well. And it just, it all just came together. I, I, I don't know, that's not the, the greatest, like, story, but it's the truth. <laughs> no, that's great. No, that is terrific. Now, what is your superpower, Don? You know, I, I would say, I, I guess it's, it's agility and the ability to... Uh, adapt and overcome, and, and probably maybe there's a chameleon aspect there. You know, I can I can be a marine or a television reporter, or I can I can I can haul a TV. And I was doing that this weekend. We needed we had a huge event at the zoo this weekend, and we were really 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 hit. And I was I was literally hauling pulling TVs behind me. So yeah, I guess I love it. I love it. That's, yeah, that great agility to do so many different things. I would love to have seen you as a Marine. Uh, you, you know, that you are not the stereotypical Marine, and uh, you may know this, but uh, I think you represent the Marines very well. Thank you. Thank you. Now, we're, we're thrilled that you would take the time to be with us. Before you go, Don, please take a minute and tell people how they can learn more about uh, Recycle Force and how they can connect with you personally. Okay, so uh, our website is RecycleForce.org. Um, we're also a part of the Impact Recyclers Network, which is a larger network of nonprofit recyclers, um, electronics recyclers. So you can find out more about potentially other organizations, maybe closer to your own area, um, who do the same kind of work that we do. Um, and I am I'm on 
I'm on Facebook and LinkedIn and, and LinkedIn under Dawn Grimes. That's my name. And I would, I would love to connect. Love to. Great. Well, we're thrilled. Thank you, Dawn. Thank you so much. We wish you every success in recycling the world's garbage in a safe way and recycling lives back into the great people that they have the potential to be. Thank you so much, Devin. It's such an honor to have been here. Thank you. All righty. Let's do some good. Clean Energy Advisors creates investment opportunities in the renewable energy sector that provide clients with predictable income, preservation of capital, and positive impact. Clean Energy Advisors is committed to providing clients with investment opportunities with both market rates of return and measurable impact. Thank you for listening. This podcast was recorded via Google Hangouts on Air and is available at youtube.com forward slash Devinthorpe. Subscribe to this podcast on Stitcher or iTunes by searching for Your Mark on the World. Every weekday, Devon hosts a CEO, celebrity, entrepreneur or other changemaker here on the Your Mark on the World show to inspire and prepare you to make your mark. Devin is a champion of social good, writing about, advocating for, and advising people who are doing good. He is a Forbes contributor who is a recognized thought leader in social entrepreneurship, impact investing, and crowdfunding. To book Devin as a speaker, visit devinthorpe.com. Learn more about Devin's work at yourmarkontheworld.com.